Welcome to the Simple Faith Podcast, exploring authentic Christianity for normal people. My name is Dave Betts, and together with my wife, Sherea, we're going to explore all the things that make our faith what it is. From looking at the big picture of the Bible to exploring the tough questions that might be getting in the way of your relationship with God. We're not going to use unnecessarily churchy language, and we're not pretending that we have all the answers. And the best bit, we'll never take more than 30 minutes of your time each week. We want to keep it simple and hopefully have some fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Our new series, Churchy Words for Normal People, starting with Discipleship. Welcome back to the Simple Faith Podcast. Uh, Today, we are starting our new series, Churchy Words for Normal People, as Sherea just said. Now, we'll talk about why in just a second, but before we get there, I want to talk about small wins. Life is made of small wins, isn't it? Today, my small win was this. We got three pull-up banners with our church branding on. (laughs) Thanks, Sherea. Perfect. (laughs) And we got a uh, 12 foot by four foot banner to go outside on the side of our building as well. And that for me is so exciting. It's just such a small thing, but just it makes such a big difference. And we've also got some flyers. So next week I am on the streets <laughs> handing out flyers, inviting people to church. I am excited. Shreya, what are the small wins in your life this week? I made the best brownies the other day. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um, I'm someone who just loves to experiment when I bake. I like to take a recipe and then change it slightly in a way that I think makes it better. And I think these brownies were better than than the recipe. They were were very good. They were very good. We had um, a good old British style roast dinner for some dear, dear friends of ours who came to visit. So that was very cool. What are the small wins in your life this week? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Head to uh, at Simple Faith Podcast on our Instagram or Facebook or uh, send us an email by heading to simplefaithpodcast.com. Enough of that. Let's talk about churchy words for normal people. Why? Well, I didn't become a Christian until I was 19. Uh, If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you would know that. Uh, But when I became a Christian, it was all new to me. I didn't grow up in the church. And I remember getting given a message version of the Bible, which I still have today and I've cherished. I have to confess, I didn't read it for super long. I actually found the NIV more uh, helpful to read. You probably don't need to know that, but it's just a fact. But one of the things I found was there were so many words that I just didn't understand. Like, And, th- and that list is, is huge. And I think sometimes when people like you, Sherea, <laughs> who have grown up in church worlds where your dad mm-hmm. was a pastor and all of that stuff, Maybe uh, people forget that not everyone grows up with those churchy words. Uh, You know, let's talk about some of them quickly. Uh, Discipleship, theology, apologetics, sanctification, sovereignty, sin, atonement. We're going to talk about all of those ones, but there's tons of other ones as well, like uh, baptism, communion, faith, tithing, covenants. Um, If you go to Bible school, you'll find homiletics, hermeneutics. There's so much more. Salvation, redemption, propitiation. Can you think of any others? Uh, oh, there was one that I was thinking of this week. Benediction. So that's another remember. one that came to my mind. Churchy word. Did you say propitiate? Pro- propitiate. Well, I did. You clearly didn't. <laughs> I think that's the one I was thinking of this week. <laughs> yeah, you got there. I think the I know what it means, but I can't pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, uh, so. there's there's so many even idols and 
And then you have all the different books of the Bible and tabernacles. That's another one. Um, covenants. I mean, we've talked a little bit about that in our episodes. But you know, the point is, there are so many words that are just, it's like a different language. And we, mm-hmm. uh, if you've heard of the opening of our podcast, we've often talked about getting rid of unnecessarily churchy words. And we're really passionate about that. We don't want to have unnecessarily churchy words, but there are some that are really necessary. So this series is about demystifying some of those mysterious churchy words that if you're new to the church, just don't make sense. Or if you've been in the church for a long time, maybe you don't know, but you don't want to admit that you don't know those words because trust me, we get it. We've been there. So what do you think, Shreya? Yeah, I totally agree. Growing up in the church, these words were kind of second nature to me because they were talked about all the time. But obviously they're not second nature to so many people in the world. They don't make sense. Um, and they're important. They're really important, but we need to talk about them so that people understand what they mean. And so that's what we want to do. Exactly. So today we are talking about the first of our churchy words for normal people, uh, disciples or discipleship. Either one of those words, we're going to use them interchangeably. The Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible defines a disciple as someone who follows another person or another way of life and who submits himself to the discipline, catch that word, discipline, uh, or teaching of that leader or way. So, you know, it wasn't just Jesus who had disciples. John the Baptist had disciples. We see that in Matthew 9. Um, And uh, really, for our purposes, we're going to talk about disciples as being followers of Jesus. Jesus, of course, had 12 disciples, but we see in Acts, uh, for example, eleven twenty-six, we see that uh, new followers of Jesus are also called disciples. Um, and you know that, that word that is translated as disciple, this is an interesting fact. It appears 262 times exclusively in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. It doesn't appear anywhere else hmm. in the rest of the New Testament. Wow. It's, uh, it, but it's, it's obviously very important to appear 262 times in those books alone. So in, in modern church terminology, discipleship has two meanings, really. Uh, firstly, that we are disciples. You know, what does that mean? How do we grow as disciples of Jesus? And we often don't talk about that too much. We don't use that word disciple. We try and avoid it, but it's a really important word. And secondly, the most common way that you're probably used to hearing it being used is talking about discipling others. Have you ever come across that? Well, it comes from uh, Matthew 28, that great commission where Jesus calls us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that he's commanded us. So rightly or wrongly, the word disciple has become you know, both a noun, so I am a disciple of Jesus, Shreya, you are a disciple of Jesus, and also a verb. So we need to disciple our church. Uh, Dwight is discipling Moes, if you get that reference, well done. <laughs> Why uh, is that what you use? <laughs> <laughs> so there'd be some good names, but don't miss the point here. We need to, you know, Dwight is discipling Moes, someone is discipling someone, it's become a, a noun and a verb. So what we're going to do in the rest of this episode is split that churchy word into those two components. So being disciples, nouns, and making disciples, kind of discipling the verb aspect of it. So with that in mind, let's head to our next section.
While I was preparing for this episode, I came across an article that talked about how we are essentially all disciples of something or someone, uh, which I think is really true. But today we want to talk about how to be a disciple of Jesus. So how do we do that in our lives today? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. As disciples, essentially our call is just this, is to follow Jesus and to become more Christ-like in our behavior. You know, we, we want to honor Christ in all that we do. We want to honor Jesus in all that we do. And, and in our own strength, let's be real, we are pretty weak. In fact, we are totally weak at that. You know, it's only because of the Holy Spirit at work in us as followers of Jesus that we can become more Christ-like. Um, Jared C. Wilson in his book, The Imperfect Disciple, he says this, what is discipleship then, but following Jesus, not on some religious quest to become bigger, better, or faster, but to become more trusting of his mercy toward, get this, toward our total inability to become those things. And then later on in his book, he says this, this is why, as odd as it sounds, making your entire Christian life about trying to look like a good Christian is a great way to become a terrible Christian, or at least a weak and defeated one. I'm going to read that again, because that's a really important statement. This is why, as Odd as it sounds, making your entire Christian life about trying to look like a good Christian is a great way to become a terrible Christian. So it's not just about trying to look the right way. We want to make sure that we are uh, doing our best to serve Jesus, but but it's not just about fulfilling a bunch of rules and regulations. And I think sometimes we miss that. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who will quote a few times, he's got this incredible book called The Cost of Discipleship. And you should look into him if you've never heard of him before. He's, he's, uh, he's a guy who was alive during the Second World War in Germany, and he's got an amazing, uh, amazing story. Anyway, in his book, he says this, it is only because he became like us that we can become like him. So it's because Jesus became like us, he became human. Now, that, now because of that and because of what he did on the cross, we can become like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that sometimes as Christians, we make discipleship about reaching some unreachable goal or making the goal being better than other Christians or looking better than other Christians. And that's that's not it. Yeah, I think you're so right. I think one of the challenges we have is that we assume that people who work for churches are therefore better disciples or, you know, the the goal, the ultimate Christians are the ones who are in senior pastor roles or eldership roles. And then you have the kind of like secondary higher ups who are on staff. And then if you're just working in a normal job in quote marks, mm. then you're not quite as much of a disciple, but that couldn't be more wrong. It, it, our, our role in discipleship, our role as disciples, is simply to follow him in whatever uh, our lives look like, whatever that path looks like. Now, having said that, there are still some practical actions that we can take as disciples. Firstly, of course, it's dwelling in the Bible, dwelling in the word of God. The reason the word of God is so important is just that, is because it's the word of God. When we read the Bible, we can understand God more and there's there's something supernatural that happens. I think as we read the Bible, we find ourselves becoming more Christ-like because we understand who God is and we understand the gravity of who God is. And the, the Holy Spirit works in us as we, as we read it. Uh, yeah, I think 
for me, the more that I get to know God, the more I want to follow him and the more I want to be like him because you just see his grace and his love and how he treats people who don't deserve to be treated well necessarily. And those are all just incredible things about God that I think you want to live out in your own lives and we don't always get it right, but it's kind of this continual journey and you never really get to a finish line. You just continue to be a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. I heard someone say that uh, trying to to know God fully, I might've said this on a previous podcast, is like trying to uh, fill a bucket with the ocean. You just can't. It's, it's impossible. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's too much ocean to fill that bucket. And uh, so, so dwelling in the Bible is one thing. And secondly, of course, is prayer. You know, those are two of the most valuable things that we can do. Of course, talking to God, listening to God is valuable. Of course, that's valuable in becoming more like, uh, like Christ. Um, you know, uh, John uh, the Baptist in John 3.30 says, he must increase and I must decrease. You know, Christ must become more in my life. And uh, in Galatians 2.20, I quote these all the time. It's, uh, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You know, having that kind of mindset, well, how can we not become better disciples? So those are obviously important. That's why you hear people talking so much about, you know, have you read your Bible or are you reading your Bible? Have you prayed? Those things are vital and uh, supernaturally influencing in terms of becoming greater disciples of Jesus. But there are secondary things as well. We've talked in previous episodes about swearing or there's, there's a whole other bunch of things like how we act, how we choose to reflect Jesus. You know, even the, the media we consume, you know, for me, there's a TV show on Amazon Prime at the moment called The Boys. And it's basically uh, what would superheroes be like if they were really violent, basically. <laughs> and I really want to watch it because I love superheroes. But I, uh, to be honest, I watched a trailer for it and saw how graphic the violence was and um, from what I can tell, there's a lot of sexual content in it as well. And I, I can't watch it. It's just not a good show to watch. Why? Because it isn't honoring to, to Jesus. <laughs> you know, you might have these shows and you might think, oh, well, I want to be in the world and not of the world. I used to have that attitude. I used to watch some of the most horrendous shows because I was like, well, I want to be able to talk about it with non-believers. But, you know, what are you allowing yourself to, to witness. Uh, there's a, there's a, a book called Plugged In by Dan Strange. And I, I, that's another book we would recommend. He says this, these are the reasons why we need to be thoughtful about what we watch and read, play, buy, listen to, and scroll through. These are the reasons. As cultural consumers and creators, we've got no choice. We're surrounded by this stuff. We're always going to watch something. We care about our own discipleship and the discipleship of others. We want to honor Christ in how we live and help others to do likewise. We care about telling others about Jesus so that they become disciples. Our cultural assumptions shape how we do this and our cultural choices can be a helpful tool. As his ambassadors and vice regents, we care about Jesus's lordship over everything. He deserves to be glorified in every TV show, radio podcast, and Instagram story. That's pretty profound. You know, is Jesus glorified in everything that you watch? Uh, you know, I want to be clear here as well and emphasize what we said at the outset. It's not about what we do. It's about our hearts first and foremost. And that often leads to heart change 
And this is a process called sanctification, which we're going to be talking about in a few weeks. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I was kind of reading through different, you know, verses in the Bible that talk about being a disciple. And a lot of them talked about, you know, the cost and what you give up to be a disciple of Jesus. And I want to read Luke 9, 23 to 25. It says, then he said to them all, this is Jesus speaking, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? And so I think there is an element of when you become a disciple of Jesus, there are things that you're going to give up. There's things that um, are going to be maybe difficult um, in following him, but it's so, so worth it. He Mm -hmm. talks about you lose your life for him, but you, you gain it. You gain better life. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. In the short term, sometimes it feels really challenging, but in the long term, it is always worth it. I want to finish this section on uh, kind of our discipleship with one more quote from Bonhoeffer. He says this, but discipleship never consists in this or that specific action. Get ready for this bit. It is always a decision either for or against Jesus. Wow. Wow. Christ speaks to us exactly as he spoke to his disciples. It was not as though they first recognized him as the Christ and then received his command. No, they believed his word and command and recognized him as the Christ in that order. As a disciple, we have a decision to make. In whatever we do, we are doing something either for Jesus or against Jesus. As a disciple, which decision will you make? One of the things that we talk about that is so important is evangelism. And that's a whole word that we could have covered today in our Churchy Words for Normal People series. But evangelism essentially means to to go and tell people about Jesus, to help bring people into a relationship with Jesus. Now, evangelism, of course, is crucial, but it's not enough on its own. You know, I worked for a church uh, about 11 years ago where we had a youth group of about 50 kids and we decided, um, the youth pastor there and and me, who was the music director, decided that we were going to have a message and we were going to lead worship every week at our youth group. And the first week, all the kids walked out. They, they pretty much left. It was horrendous. For the next week, by the way, like 10 people gave their lives to Jesus. The week after that, it was like 13. And the week after that, and the week after that, and the week after that, we outgrew our youth building. Mm-hmm. Within a year and a half, we had 450 kids coming to our youth group. We had to have security. We had to have um, sometimes uh, police cars coming. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, there was all sorts of craziness. And people were getting saved left, right, and center. It was phenomenal. And that's a whole story in itself. It's just an amazing thing. But here's the problem with that story. So many people got saved, but so many people fell away from their relationship with God. Mm. Now, discipleship is the process of helping people come from being new believers to being rooted followers of Jesus who will not be shaken by whatever is happening in the world. It's going from that place of, yeah, I believe this, to 
it, this is at the core of my very being and I would sooner die than give up my faith. Now, that didn't happen at, at the church I was at before. And that's no fault of the youth pastor. That's no one else's fault. They did an incredible job. But, but that's something that experience can teach us is that actually discipleship was something that was maybe missing at that time. And it's something that they do really well now, just to be really clear. You know, making disciples, that process of helping people to become more like Jesus is a huge calling. Now, for your elders and your pastors, or you, if you are an elder or a pastor, that is one of the main jobs that they have. One of the main jobs of an elder or a pastor, it says in First uh, Peter 5, is to shepherd God's flock, you know, his, his followers. But if you're not an elder, then you have a responsibility to disciple people, to mentor people and uh, help them to become more in love with Jesus than they were when you first met them. Yeah, I think that if we think about it, there's lots of ways that we can disciple people in our lives, even if we're not necessarily doing a role in a church. Like for me, I think I was able to do that at, at Bible camp. I went to a Bible camp most summers um, during my high school years, and it was an awesome opportunity to not only be discipled, because I had a mentor, I had people supporting and growing with me and, and helping me to grow, but I had this amazing opportunity to to be an example to these kids that came for the week and, and to, you know, even at maybe as a teenager, help them understand the Bible even a little bit more. And so we can all be discipling other people. um, And it's just looking for those opportunities, I think. Yeah, I'm going to quote another book now called Discipling the Flock by Paul Touches. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but he says this, the most essential ingredient in the diet that we must feed believers is sound doctrine. In other words, a sound understanding of the Bible that will nourish their souls. And he references 1 Timothy 4 there. This satisfies the young believer's longing for the pure milk of the word. He's quoting the Bible there so that he or she may grow in respect to salvation. Again, talking about 1 Peter 2, as well as the mature believer's hunger for solid food to grow in uh, their understanding, Hebrews 5. This is undoubtedly why Jesus commanded Peter three times to feed his sheep. And then he quotes John 21. That's a big quote there, but essentially he says this, he summarizes it a bit later. Authentic biblical shepherding requires a personal commitment to do all that is superhumanly possible to help fellow believers grow in maturity in Jesus Christ. So that's what it, that's what it looks like. Mentoring is a great way. If that's mm-hmm. a camp, that's great. But you might be able to mentor people where you're at. Now, mm-hmm. yep. mentoring seems scary. And I want to tell you that I... I'm learning as a mentor, but I wasn't always a great mentor because I had no idea what I was doing and it was scary. And sometimes I mentored people who were just doing great with Jesus and it was hard to ask questions. Here are some quick tips for mentoring in terms of uh, uh, discipling them. Always point them towards uh, Jesus, point them towards the gospel, point them towards understanding the Bible, point them towards prayer, like love people well and don't judge them. A great question to ask when you sit down with someone, by the way, is just say, what's on your mind? And if they answer and it's really straightforward, ask them a few more questions about it or say, and what else is on your mind? And you often get to some really um, central issues when you do that. That's a really good start. But remember, you're always trying to get to to Jesus. And just a quick point on um, judging people. You might see people in your midst uh, that maybe you think, oh, they're beyond discipling. Uh, You might see them and think, oh, well, they're prideful. They're this, they're that, they're this, they're that. I read this really profound book because I used to be really judgmental. 
Um, it was by Brené Brown. I forget which book it was now, but she talked about the difference between guilt and shame. And, you know, if you wrong someone, it's okay to feel guilty. It's okay to think that specific incident was bad. I shouldn't have done that. You know, that's the sense of guilt that she's, she talks about. But shame is something very different. When someone does something wrong and you look at them and you say, oh, well, therefore you are a bad person. Therefore you are a cheat. Therefore you are arrogant. That's shaming someone. And that's very different. We must never shame people because God is at work in the lives of these people. So yes, they may do something wrong and it's good to feel guilt for doing something wrong. It's, as weird as that sounds, it's a good thing. You should read the book. She says it much better than I do. But what's wrong is when we shame people and we shame their character as a result. And so that's, in terms of discipling and mentoring people, that's really important. And, you know, another thing I would say is that discipling people can be really brutal. I want to read one more quote to you. I promise just one more. Uh, it's by Larry Osborne in his book, Lead Like a Shepherd. By the way, you can find links to all of these books at simplefaithpodcast.com. We recommend you read all of them because they're amazing. He says this, it can be incredibly wearisome to do something for the benefit of others, only to have them react as if you're leading them off a cliff. But a good shepherd is willing to take the heat. He realizes that there are some things the sheep will never understand. Discipling people is hard work. Sometimes it's fruitless, thankless work, and you'll feel like you're not getting anywhere. But our job is to do everything we can to point people to Jesus in all that we do and in all that they do. And the best way that we can disciple other people well is to remember that we need to be disciples first. Yeah, that is such a good point. If if you don't have anyone who is speaking into your life, who is uh, discipling you, then find someone. That's a really good thing to have. It's a really important step. So for the sake of time, we're going to finish there. In summary, a disciple is a follower of someone or something. But in our case, we're talking about being a follower of Jesus. We can often use it as a noun, you know, to be a disciple or as a verb. You know, I'm going to disciple someone or I am being discipled by someone. Uh, and, and we talked about what it looks like to be a disciple. And what it looks like to make disciples. Now, of course, we've rushed through all this, but hopefully we have demystified this churchy word for um, some of you guys that might consider yourself normal people like us. And if that's helpful, let us know. We really appreciate your feedback. Now, in the next section, Sheree's got something fun planned for us. In this section, I thought it would be fun, since we're talking about discipleship and following others and specifically following Jesus, to look up some maybe things that people shouldn't have followed. So it's under the hashtag bad advice. <laughs> oh no, so I this, see is this is going. people's stories um, on Twitter of just bad advice that they got. So the first one is, my dad told me the broken escalator was voice activated. I spent 10 minutes yelling, go up, before he told me it was broken. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the kind of um, thing I would do. Don't follow your dad sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. In that case. My first time eating sushi, my good friend told me to take the green stuff and spread it all over because it would taste better. And if you are a sushi lover, you know that the green stuff is really, really, really spicy. Wasabi. Is Was it wasabi? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Wasabi. I don't like sushi, so. <laughs> okay, this one's really funny. This one made me laugh. I told my little brother, you're supposed to eat the peel instead of the actual banana. He did it for two straight weeks. Whoa. <laughs> oh, that poor kid. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Uh, he must have gone banana. <laughs> oh, my. Okay, this one's short. I put bacon on a pimple because granny said it would go away. Ugh, <laughs> says, it grew. <laughs> yeah, that's bad advice. Okay, one more. I'll do one more. This person says, I got a bug in my ear. My dad said to put urine in my ear and it would come out. Nope, just have an ear full of pee. <laughs> <laughs> Grace. Wow, on that note, that's it from us. <laughs> Maybe if you have any examples of really bad advice, you should send it to us because those made me laugh. Sharia obviously found that really, really funny. So have a fantastic week everyone we hope you found this helpful and you know all about discipleship now feel free to go and uh, check out those books we recommended because they are brilliant uh, next week we're going to continue our series churchy words for normal people um, and we will speak to you very soon bye bye